Well, man, welcome with us today to this awesome day of celebration. It's Palm Sunday, and uh, maybe that kind of slipped your mind. We got Easter just one week away. Can you believe that? Palm Sunday coming up here today as we celebrate who our God is and we make much of Him. And we're also closing out a series. We're in James, and we've been walking through this series. It's called Summit Walk. And we're looking at what it means to be able to step around the potholes of life. And uh, really, I'll be honest, we had no idea clearly of what was coming here when we set this up. We set these preaching calendars up over the summer. And uh, it's been amazing to be able to see how God has lined up what we needed to hear from James chapters 4 and 5, right as we've tailed uh, the end of James here, as we've tailed out on this right exactly with what's been going on with the coronavirus. And God's just had some sweet, sweet messages for us. So today we're closing out. We're in James chapter 5, and we're at the end of it. And uh, very specifically today, we're looking at what it means to step through sin and sickness. Stepping through sin and sickness. Does God know what we need to hear? Does God know what we need to know, right? Praise God that he's got a timely word for us. So do me a favor, turn with me if you will, to James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. James chapter 5, starting in verse 13 as we get this going. And the first point is a humbly cry out to the Lord for healing. And sometimes even crying out to the elders, right? Humbly cry out to the Lord for healing. Sometimes even crying out to the elders. Here we go. James chapter 5 and... We're going to start in verse 13. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. uh, So let's just evaluate from there. Let's go back to the beginning. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? This word suffering, it's the same word that we just saw in the first half of James chapter 5. Is anyone among you suffering? This word means to be going through a heavy press down, maybe an evil struggle, maybe a heartache, and it's beginning to cause concern within. It's beginning to cause a struggle within the soul that is stirring us to be able to question what's life about. Suffering, it's a heartache within and uh, It's been the same word that he used in the first part of chapter 5, and so he's kind of leveraging that in as he steps forward. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Man, if you're hurting, if you're wrestling, if you have a weightiness, a heaviness, a fear, come before your God, crying out to him with all you've got. Let him pray. No more timely word than this for us as we wrestle through this in the United States, as we wrestle with this worldwide, this COVID virus and what it means to all of us. We're being told the next two, three weeks could be really, really serious. And uh, we might be seeing some things get very different than maybe we've experienced in the last couple weeks. Right now it's been rumors about and thinking about and and, uh, from what we hear, things could be getting a lot rougher here in the next couple weeks. Man, if we are suffering, please hear me. May we go to our God in prayer. Everybody just say, let's pray. And I know you missed the uptake, so right where you're at, everybody just say, let's pray. Right? Let's cry out. It's the battle cry we've started here in this last week as we go to our God in prayer. May we bring our worship. May we bring our celebration. May we bring our heartache to him. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. And then he turns the corner. He says, is any among you cheerful? 
let him sing praise. Maybe things are going well. Maybe right now it's a time of lifting up. Maybe in the moment there's been some good stories in your life. Something you can look at and it brings a smile. And praise God for that. Let's sing psalms to him. Let's praise him. Let's make much of him. Let's be able to lift his name up in song as we're thanking him for all that he's doing in our life. If things are going roughly, may we be praying and crying out. As things are going cheerfully, may we be singing to him and thanking him. By the way, please hear me on that, singing to him. So good to practice that, to be singing to your God, not just about your God. As we sing these praise songs, so many of the songs that we choose here in our worship are all about singing to our God, a very present moment of worship between you and him, right? May we sing to him. And then it says, is any among you sick? Is any among you sick? And just so you know, this word sick actually has a couple of meanings. There's a lot of people who have a lot of different views about the passage we're going to move through now. But I will say this word that says, is any among you sick? One of the meanings is really, probably more literally interpreted, is any among you weak? Is any among you wrestling, lacking strength? That's probably the best way to understand the word. Now, it can be applied physically, and then the word sick would be a great application. Is any among you lacking strength physically? Is any among you sick? But it can also mean, is any among you weak emotionally? Maybe you've been going through hard times. Maybe it's been devastating to your soul. Maybe you've had a hard time even just waking up because of some things going on in your life. Is any among you weak? Yes, it applies to that too. Is any among you weak spiritually? Like I'm just wrestling with my worship with my God. I'm not sure how to bring it right now. I'm putting things in check and I know I shouldn't be. And, and God, I'm just not sure which way is up and Is any among you weak spiritually? Yes, all of those apply. Yes, weak physically. Yes, weak emotionally. Yes, weak spiritually. And may we bring it to our God with all we've got. He says, is any among you sick or weak? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. It lets you know the severity of what's going on. Let him call for the elders Now, just so we're super clear, that word meant those who were seasoned veterans of life, right? Those who had a great amount of wisdom. They also represented the leadership in the community in this time when James was writing, some 45 AD. And um, so one of the things the elders used to do is make themselves readily available. And they would sit out at the city gate right at the edge of the town. And if you had a question, if you had a thought, if you had a concern, you would actually make your way out to the city gate and you would sit with the elders and you'd be like, what do you say about this? How do I handle this? Which way should I be thinking about this biblically? And and they would have great wisdom and they would share forth. You would go out to the elders to hear from them. Notice here, though, the one is sick, the one is weak. He is wrestling with his physical strength or his emotional strength, his spiritual strength. He can't even get up. Let him call for the elders. And those elders then come to him in the time of struggle. Now, this word elder, it's actually something that can be interchanged with the word pastor as well. We see it interchangeably used throughout the New Testament. Pastor, overseer, elder, all of those together We have just a phenomenal pastoral staff and eldership here at this church. And many that are on staff and then many that are serving. We've got six serving on our elder board. And and, uh, 
So all of those together are really what this word means, really, okay? Just so we understand that, it's talking about our elders that we would call our six elders, but more than that, all of our pastorship, our directorship here on staff, those are all this same word. Those who represent God, they bring a wisdom, they're passionate about what they're doing, and they come before our king, and they're crying out on our behalf. He's like, man, are you wrestling? struggling maybe in this season there's been a job loss it's causing a ton of fear it's actually getting into your mind it's getting into your heart there's a fear that's rising up it's crippling you right where you're at you almost can't move there's so much emotional turmoil he's like i know there's times where things get so heavy that they just weigh us down maybe you're in one of those spots right now he says let us call for the elders or the pastors of the church and let them pray over him. Now please note it says let them pray over him and in a general sense let them pray about this topic, let them pray for, but it also is talking about a very physical presence. It's talking about being able to come in the room with and I'm just going to say so sad that right now we can't do that. Right at the hospitals we're not allowed in. We can't go in to pray over someone but it would be much like somebody so sick that they're laying on their bed. Maybe it's a hospital bed. Maybe it's just at home. Maybe they're so in turmoil they can't move and they're at the house. Somebody comes out to the elders and they're like, hey, we could use your help. They're, they're just struggling so deeply. Could you come out and see them? And one of those elders or pastor figures would come into the house and would come over and would lay a hand on and would begin to pray physically over them. Like they're laying down. They couldn't get up to come out to the elders. So they're coming in. They're laying a hand on and praying over them physically. Praying over them about the content of what's going on. And crying out and lifting up before our living God. Who is absolutely answering prayer. Ready? And all of God's people said. Man, don't miss it. We have a God who does answer prayer. And so they're crying out on behalf of the one hurting. Lord God, would you please be here in this moment? Can you bring a peace? Lord, can you bring a healing? Can you wake up even the soul to what needs to be seen? Give understanding to scripture. We ask for you to move mightily. The elders praying in a huge and powerful way. Let them pray over him. Man, may we take our hurts to our king. Ready? And all of God's people said, amen, man, amen. And then it says, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, I want to be really clear. This word anointing here, it sounds like really spiritual, doesn't it? And the word sounds like it's got this deep religious significance to it. In fact, there's a word for that where it's kind of the sacramental anointing, where it's sort of maybe putting some oil on the head, something like that, and uh, this moment of deep meaning and significance. And just so you know, James chose not to use that word. So the word James chose to use was a word that means more like this, like rubbing hard, vigorously. It kind of has more of a medical sense to it. Like you're taking the oil and you're putting it on and it brings a salve. It brings a feeling good anointing, like almost a medicinal way, a, maybe a doctoral way. It brings a little relief in the midst. So yes, they're bringing a spiritual relief as they pray for. 
And yes, they're bringing a physical relief as they bring the oils. I know some of you right now are like, I knew essential oils had a ton of value, right? And the reality is that there are oils that can bring some level of a feel-good moment, whatever that is in whatever way. And uh, yes, the elders brought in these medicinal oils. This was one of the few medical ways that they could treat someone, is there were certain oils they used that would just sort of bring a relieving, a calming, a soothing to the body. And they would apply it specifically where the hurt or the ache was, if there was something physical, and if it was something more spiritual, emotional, then they would apply that just in a general sense to be able to bring a more of a easing or a peace in the moment. The elders were to bring a spiritual warming of the room, and the elders were to bring a physical warming of the room, and all of that together representing my God is right here with me. Man, don't miss this. We are not alone in our struggle. Whatever our weakness, whatever our hurt, we can cry out. We can ask others to cry out with us. And we can walk through a couple of steps that can help us to begin to set down the weight, the heaviness, that which so easily entangles and worship our King. It says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. That word save there actually can be used in a number of ways. It could mean that the sick person truly does need to know more about the living Christ and come to trust him. Could be saved salvation-wise. Could mean that it's delivered up from whatever is bringing the weakness and the heaviness. Could mean that. But God working in this one to bring a lighter weight to the soul. Lifting up giving more of an emotional happiness or cheerfulness, more of a joy in the midst. To be able to say, my God is with me even in the midst of this trial and I'm leaning on him. Praise God. It says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Literally being able to, whatever it is that the struggle is, bringing a little lighter element to that. And if it's physical, maybe that means to be bringing a physical healing. And we know, I just want to say this out loud, and I want to say it very clearly. Genesis chapter 3 says that because of our sin, we all as human beings have one major problem. We have a 100% death rate. 100%. And we can't get around that. Don't take verses like this and all of a sudden try to ignore Genesis 3. The reality is we are in a sin-ridden world and we are in a physically broken world. And God is working with us. And there are times where he chooses to take the physical element and just remove it altogether. Praise God for that healing, man. We love that. And there are moments where he chooses to have us walk through that struggle, much like we just heard in the offertory walking through that fire, walking through that sea and struggling through that peace, but he's bringing a lifting of the soul, an emotional warming. He's bringing a spiritual awakening and enlivening to him. He's bringing a hope for him that God might get all the glory. Know this, as we come to our king, he definitely is actively working. May we pray powerfully, may we lift it to him, and may he begin to take that weakening and make us stronger. Everybody say, make us stronger. 
I didn't know you missed the uptake. Say it louder, say it bigger. To make us stronger. Right, our God strengthening us. May he get all the glory. It says, and the Lord will raise him up. There is going to be a strengthening to a level where they're no longer laying down needing to call for help, but they're able to get back in and engage in life. They're able to get back after it. And God's doing what he sees fit to do. And and maybe there's been a time where you've cried out and you've asked for something physically to be removed and God chooses not to remove that physically. And maybe in that moment, it begins to rattle your cage. Like, why, why are you not answering this, God? And just so we're clear, James chapter four also gives a little understanding of prayer. He's like, sometimes we're not getting an answer of yes because we're asking amiss that we might consume it on our own lusts. Like, Lord God, I would rather just have the comfort. Please, no more shaping of my soul. No more growing me up. No more maturing me. Just take the pain away. Sometimes that's our request and we're missing a little of what God's doing. May we be absolutely clear on this. Our God works in the middle of our trusting him. And sometimes maybe we're not quite understanding what's going on, but our God has a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. And he will absolutely be working to be restoring the emotional and the spiritual as he grows us one degree of glory at a time. And he may even choose to address the very physical issue and bring a comfort in the moment. We leave it all to God. Our God is sovereign and he knows exactly what's needed. And all of God's people said, Man, if we're going to wrestle through a time of heartache like we are right now in this world and in America and in Illinois and in central Illinois coming up, it looks like things are going to be getting a little rougher. We better have our plan set that our job is to abide with our king, John chapter 15, to abide with him, draw life from him. And as we abide in him, we begin to cry out our prayer request. And in our abiding, we start to get an understanding of exactly where God is going and what he's going after. And maybe we start to get convinced he is looking for a physical healing. Maybe we're more convinced it seems he's going to leave this thorn in the flesh for me to be able to walk with and walk through. But God is giving me a restoring of the soul and I will worship my king. Hear me, men. My God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. And in all of God's people said, amen, man. Don't miss it. This is a sweet moment to bring the whole of our life before our king. It says, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Let's be honest, doesn't it almost sound like that just got thrown in after the fact? Like, what in the world? We were just talking about sin and weakness, and all of a sudden this, this forgiveness thing, what's that about? And here's the deal. He's saying, just so we're clear, sometimes the sin that we choose to walk in brings the pain that we're feeling. It brings the weakness and the heartache that we're in. Sometimes the best move we can make to start to feel better is to set down the sin and say, God, I'm done with that. Please forgive me. Right? May God get all the glory. Often a weakness that we're beginning to feel can be caused by the sin that we're walking through. And, uh, simply put, 
He says, if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. And this is not like the elders prayed over and because of the elders' prayer, a sin was forgiven. Remember, this guy also said, please bring the elders into my house. There is a faith being expressed and that faith being expressed, yes, the faith of the elders crying out in prayer, but more than that, the faith of the one who is weak calling out and saying, I know that I need my God to work in my life. And those two faiths coming together to work here and God doing an amazing forgiveness of sin as that is laid down. And do you have sin that needs to be laid down? May God get all the glory as we say, Lord, please forgive me. I'll just tell you, we often have been asked by people hurting in the body to be able to pray over them as elders. And when we go to pray, we do bring some oil element to that and do just a little anointing touch. We're not doing the vigorous rub. We have some great doctors and medical physicians, and so don't worry about that. But we do bring some level of a symbolic element and representation to that. And then we also at the same time are praying over them. But we ask a question when we're doing it too. Is there any sin that needs to be let go of? Is there anything that you know you're hanging on to and you're not letting go of it and maybe that's causing some of the weakness or the struggle that's going on in your life and in your soul? That's a huge part of elders praying over is being real about what's going on, about calling out for the sin to be set down. You know, this past week we had uh, just a sweet time of prayer on Wednesday night And uh, look, man, I grew up going to prayer meetings on Wednesday nights. And uh, oftentimes, you know, whatever size your church is, the prayer meeting is usually, you know, one-tenth of that shows up for the prayer meeting. And uh, when you have the prayer meeting, it can be maybe uh, a little dry or it's lacking something along the way. And it just tends to not uh, hold a lot of people there. And it's been a shame, right? And so we like, we're not doing that. If we do this prayer, let's go after it big. We put praise and prayer together. We announced it out to our body. We went live stream on that. Uh, You can even see a little bit of our uh, living room setup back here that we used for the Wednesday night. And uh, we brought our living room into your living room. And uh, just a sweet time of prayer as we worshiped our King and we lifted up praise. We had three pastors that were up front leading times of prayer and you all joining in. And just this awesome time of collective prayer. Man, may we recognize that in dark, struggling times, it is so important that we pray together. We're going to see that in the next section and that we rally together and have our pastors praying with us and praying over us. What a powerful time of prayer we did with the live stream and I don't even know all the numbers rallied, but over 800 connections and 2,000, 2,500 people that were there. That's, that's a killer prayer time, man. That's an awesome Wednesday night prayer to be able to rally together and just loved all the uh, chat prayer that was going on and the rally together for it. May we humbly cry out to our Lord and all of God's people said, amen. And number two, may we confess your sins and struggles to praying uh, to mature friends as well. Confess your sins and struggles to praying mature friends as well. You're confessing your sin. You're literally getting real with your friends so they can hold you accountable. And then they're praying for you in the midst of that. And so let's jump in. It starts out in verse 16 here. It says, therefore, right? And when we see the therefore, we say, yeah, what's the therefore? Therefore, it's a connecting word. What's the purpose? And he's like, we just got through talking about the fact that if we're hurting, we need to come to our God. We need to rally in that. And if that's true, 
and maybe I'm even too weak to get after it myself, here's another thought. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your sins and pray. Longing for God to do a work in our soul, beginning to shape us and change us one degree of glory at a time as we set down our sin and we say, Lord God, do a healing work in my heart. Remember we talk about that boat afloat on the sea of selfishness. Lord, make my boat a little stronger, a little more sure, a little more solid. Lord, may you do a healing work. I confess this sin needs to go. Now, please hear me. The power in this confession is not in the fact that you told another person. The power in the confession is that you're getting real with your God and you're like, Lord God, I want this gone. And you're now bringing in another friend and you're letting them know so that they can be alongside of you, holding you accountable and praying for you. The whole goal here is you and your God in a worship moment as you set down your sin and a friend coming alongside to lock arms in that journey. May God get all the glory. Confess your sins to one another and pray one for another that you might be healed that there might be a changing of the soul deep inside and God might begin to do a work. And if that is causing some physical struggle, then even that physical being lifted in that moment. You know, I'm just going to tell you, uh, the Catholic Church has a huge statement about coming in and confessing sin to priests and then the priest will on your behalf be a mediator and, and uh, as they represent for you, then that's what brings the forgiveness. Please hear me. The forgiveness of sin does not come from man representing for you. The forgiveness of sin comes from our God on our behalf and us being able to go right to him. Now, the Catholic Church has had a lot of struggles lately on what do I do? Which way do I go with trying to get together? And what do I do with the, the communion piece? What do I do with the confession piece? I can't get together with a priest. And here's what the priest actually put out about a week and a half ago two weeks ago. It is absolutely essential that you understand, true, this is what they were saying, the Pope said this, absolutely understanding that we can come to our God directly, that we can worship our God and we can confess our sin and we can get real with him one-on-one. It is absolutely effective. It is the best way to go. You get together with your God and confess your sin. Ready? And all of God's people said, Man, absolutely can get alongside of that. I'm totally with that. May we bring our sin to our God and may we bring a friend alongside of us to hold us accountable in the journey. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed, that there might be a miracle work beginning in the soul as God transforms one degree of glory at a time. It says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. And I actually love the King James on this. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You gotta love that, man. Just this deep, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It gets a lot done as you are understanding who your God is, as you are working with your God and abiding in him. That's what makes it effectual you with your king, alone with him, personal, powerful, passionate worship as you are with your God and you start to grasp all that he is doing. Being able to celebrate him along the way, that prayer starts to light a fire. You're beginning to grasp exactly where God's going and what God's doing and you're like, Lord, please do this in my life. Please do this in their life. You're seeing the purpose in it. 
And in the midst of seeing that purpose, God starts doing an amazing changing work as you're crying out in agreement with God, Lord God, please do this. And God's like, yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. And he goes after it. I'll just say this. Here's a good quote that I wrote down this week. Prayer is allowing God to move in you, not allowing you to move in God. Don't miss that. Prayer is allowing God to move in you, showing you exactly where he's going and what you should be crying out for. Not you moving in God, trying to manipulate and turn him and get him to give you something he originally wasn't going to give. Not, everybody say, not that. Not us getting into God's head, getting him to give us something we want. That's con- basically consuming it on our own lusts. Lord God, teach me what you want. May you get all the glory. That's power prayer. May we come before our God very fervently and directly as we bring it to him. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And just so you know, in the original language, the Greek word like ours there, it actually says like homo pathos. Like homeo, like the same pathos. This interior soul, this this way of thinking and feeling, even suffering. Pathos brings a sense of suffering to it. He suffered like you and me. He's going right back to that word suffering up above. And he's like, Elijah suffered just like you and me. He was struggling with sin. He was struggling with heartache. He was struggling with the world that was collapsing. He was struggling with kings that were going awry. He was struggling too. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He struggled with it all too of suffering. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Now, please hear me. Elijah prayed that it might not rain for three years and six months. And that's what happened. And uh, here's what did not happen. God was like, well, I'm going to bring a ton of rain and I'm going to make it fertile. And then Elijah was like, please, no rain. And God's like, no, really, I'm going to bring it. And he's like, please, no. And God was like, all right, fine. I'm manipulated. I guess I'll just go to no rain. Everybody say, not that. Like, that's not what it was. In fact, if you read back in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18, God was moving in Elijah. And he was showing him what he was going to do. And as Elijah understood that God was going to bring a drought, God said, Elijah, I want you to be the representative. I want you to bring this to the king and let him know so that that king understands that you are a representative of me. You're the voice and the mouthpiece. I want him listening to me through you. And so as Elijah walked in, he knew exactly where God was going. And he's like, this is the plan. No rain, three and a half years. Get ready. I'm praying for it now. And then he began to pray powerfully. It was about an abiding with God and knowing exactly where God was going. He prayed for that and God so answered that. I'm telling you so often we are so concerned and confused about prayer because we are trying to get our way, not trying to figure out what God's way is. May prayer be, Lord, hand my soul to you, long for you to do the work. What do I need to see and know? May it be a true, humble abiding. A fervent prayer, I would say it's regular It's worshipful, it's specific, and it's dependent. It's regular, it's worshipful, it's specific, it's dependent. And man, does God work in the midst of that prayer. You'll be amazed at what you're seeing him do and how you can begin to cry out exactly where God's headed and see answers to prayer all over the place. 
It says that he prayed and there was no rain for three and a half years. That's a long time, man. When you're an agrarian community and you're surviving off of the harvests, this was a hard, hard season for them. They went through a very huge epidemic. Maybe even a pandemic as it was totally rough on them. It says, then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. At that point, he's like, I recognize the time is up. It's time now for this to be happening. So Lord God, would you please bring the rains again now? And it was the exact moment when God was like, I'm getting ready to bring it. It's time for you to pray for this. As he prayed, the rains came thunderously down. Can you imagine being next to that guy when that happened? He like prays it would stop. And you're like, dude, pray it'll, pray it'll come back. He's like, not yet, it's not time. Pray it'll come back. And then three and a half years later, he finally is like, okay, it's time to pray. And you're watching him. He's like, Lord, bring the rain. And it comes. Amazing how he was so tied in to what God had to say in his life. May our prayer be so tied in to what God is doing in us, in our family, in our community, in our workplace. Lord, help me know where you're headed. And Lord, help me dependently cry out to you. Ready? And all of God's people said, amen, man, amen. So here's the deal. I just want to take a moment right here and right now. I was actually going to do this a little differently when I mapped this out last summer. We were going to have pastors and elders across the front of the church, and we were going to have people coming down to be able to be prayed over. We were going to do that during the first point. Um, But given where we're at, and given how there's a little bit of distance, we're just going to take a little bit of time right now. And maybe you're wrestling with something. You're feeling that weakness. Maybe there's even some sin you're struggling with and it's time to hand it to your God. And Let's just take a time in prayer right now so everybody gets set right where you are. I know there's a little bit of distraction. Time to shift the mind into, Lord, I'm ready to hand this to you. And let's go to prayer with our God. Here's my request. Let's use that chat that's along the side of the screen, all right? If you come along the side of the screen and you can, you can enter a prayer request that you have, you can actually type in, I'm praying for you right now with that. Let's interact a little bit and let's be praying right now as we pray on behalf of one another and we come before our God. Let's pray. We still have a third point, but hang on, here we go. Lord God, we worship you. And we praise you we're coming before you. We're crying out to you and we're longing for you to get all the glory. Lord, hear our celebration as to who you are. You are King. You are Redeemer. You are Lord. Man, just write you where you are, thanking him. You are King. You are Redeemer. You are Lord. Just thank and praise him. Amen. Just in the silence of this moment, Let the silence scream. I am right here alone with you, God. You are my king. And now, Lord, we're bringing this prayer to you. Lord, in the midst of our heartache, please hear us as this town, as this city, as this central Illinois area, as our state gets ready to go underneath what they're saying could be a much harder moment Lord, we just pray for all of those in leadership. We pray for all of those with the weight of making decisions, for all of those in the medical community. Lord, may you bring a wisdom. Maybe there's a weightiness and a heaviness on them that is crushing down on them. Lord, give them a release as they see what they need to do and go after it. 
Give them wisdom. And Lord, I'm sure there are many that are listening today that are just under the weight of hurt and loss with a lost job, with being on furlough, with the money being a little bit inconsistent. Maybe there's sickness going on and in this moment, Lord, we cry out for them. Man, just right where you are. Entering in any prayer requests you got on the chat line, praying out privately, asking others to pray with you. Let's pray together now. Lord, hear our requests. Just in the quiet of the moment, hear our requests. Amen. Maybe there's a weakness physically that you're wrestling with. Lord, I just hand this physically to you. I would long to see this removed. Lord, if it's your will, please take this physically. Whatever that is, maybe you want to put that down. Maybe there's something emotionally going on. Or maybe it's even spiritual and you're like, this has got me so knocked down. My fears are out of control. Lord, I'm handing this to you. Whatever it is, just hand it to them. Just write it down there. Hand it to your king. As you're praying right where you are. And I'm just going to give a shout out. This name has been on my heart for a long time here. And um, Alex, hon, we love you. We know that you are wrestling with so much out in New York. We know that you've got the cancer going on at such a young age in the 20s and you're trying to get treatment out there. We know you're isolated and quarantined alone. Please hear me. You are not alone. Cry out for Alex and all that's going on with the healing that is needed, with the wisdom of getting back and forth to the hospital with safety and security in the midst of some really tough measures. Lord, we love you. We cry out for Alex. Anyone else who has anything going on, man, just cry it out. Don't miss out on this opportunity to be prayed for. May God get all the glory. Man, may we call for pastors or elders to pray for us. May we share and confess with those who are around us. And may we watch God move mightily. And all of God's people said, don't miss out on our chance to pray. And number three, come alongside a wandering believer and help bring them back to the Lord. Come alongside of a wandering believer and help bring them back to the Lord. It starts out here. It says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. I'll just hold right there. If anyone among you, my brothers. So we're talking about believers. And if there's anyone among the believers. Now, some will say, I think this is only believers. Others will say, I think this is the unbeliever wandering away. Let's just say this, whichever way it is, because he isn't very specific or clear, whichever way it is. We have somebody who's hurting and drifting and this wandering away is a word that actually is like a sheep word. It means you stepped into some grass and you started nibbling on the green grass. It was good. So you took another step away to some more green grass and some more and some more 
and you just drifted away following the green grass one bite at a time. That's what this is. Wandering away, getting distracted away, and you've walked away from, it says, the truth. And you've missed who your God is. And maybe this means you're not saved and you've not kind of grasped the truth of Jesus Christ as your hope and your king and you wander away. Or, or maybe it means I did grasp it, but I'm just wandering into sin I shouldn't be in. It says then, and someone brings him back. Literally, they help them understand the truth. They start to show him the green grass that is back towards the great shepherd who loves you so much. And they walk him back to the shepherd, Jesus Christ. And it's a huge moment of being able to introduce someone to Jesus Christ, maybe for the first time, maybe reintroducing as you care for them and as you pray for them. And uh, how do you bring someone back? I just wrote these words down real quickly. Uh, four ways that we can bring someone back. Number one, uh, love them. Love them with all you've got. Make sure that you care for them, you're patient with them, you're kind, you're not forcing your own way, but you're understanding what God's way is and what God's desire is. You love on them. Number two is a gentleness. Make sure that you're gentle along the way, right? Galatians 6.1, be gentle as you're dealing with the sin. Gentle. Number three, forgiveness. When you're bringing somebody back, usually that means they've wandered into sin and that means they're hurting along the way. Maybe they've hurt you. Maybe they've hurt someone else. Maybe it's hard for you to even look them in the eye because you know what kind of pain they brought. And you're like, Lord, help me to have a forgiving spirit. I've been forgiven so much from Christ. May I have a forgiving heart towards them. Forgiveness. So a love, a gentleness, a forgiveness. And then number four, the truth. You can't bring somebody back without using the truth. You can't just woo them back with generalities and vagaries. And it is like, here's the specific truth about Jesus Christ and the specific truth about the sin you're in. And it needs to be let go of. And let's come over here. It's going to be so much better for you. Let's go after that together. As we love them, as we're gentle along the way, forgiving and bringing the truth. That's bringing them back. And it says, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wrongdoing will save his soul from death. Will save his soul from death. For the unbeliever, they actually have come to trust Christ as Savior. They have eternity in hand now. Will save a soul from death. And for the believer, well, you've actually now started to grasp who your God is in a rich, fresh way. And this death, probably more a physical death, because you were saved. If you were a believer wandering away, this wasn't about eternal death. This was about your physical death. Life gets shorter when we choose to sin in very dumb ways. Let me just say that again. Life gets shorter when we choose to sin in very dumb ways. The reality is sin does bring physical death as a shortening of our life as a cost. Maybe it's just all the anxieties and things going on in our heart and our soul that's causing us to just shorten it up a little. Maybe it's something we have gotten ourselves into that truly does actually shorten our life or take a risk of taking our life. But he's like, just so you know, for the unbeliever, there's the, the privilege of bringing back to eternal life. And for the believer, you're definitely salvaging some of what could have brought a quicker physical death. It says, and it will cover a multitude of sins will cover a multitude of sins. All the sins that were going on, man, those are forgiven. 
and all the sins that were coming up because you took the fork in the road and you're headed back around to coming to your Savior, those sins done. And praise God, covered sins past, sins present, and sins future. Man, may we rally around recognizing that our sin has a cost. Amen. As we face this Palm Sunday, as we face the reality of what's coming, it could be very, very grievous in these next couple of weeks or a month here around this area in central Illinois. As we face the COVID virus and the risks of losing jobs, of sicknesses, of fear and all that rising up, of, of us getting into sin that we shouldn't be into and lots of downtime at the home can be a bad plan, man. Be careful with how you use your downtime. Be careful with your attitudes along the way and may we worship our God as we go. Let's get our sin confessed up to those around us and let's rally to bring others back to the king. May Jesus Christ get all the glory. Our job when we're sheltering in place is to love well those we're living with. Ready? And all of God's people said, amen, man. Our hope, may we bring our pain and our suffering to our God. Let's bring it in prayer with all we've got. Let's engage those around like the pastors and the elders. Let's engage the friendship around us for accountability. And let's rally the troops to being loving and gentle and forgiving along the way and bringing the truth that God might get the glory. Remember our battle cry. My God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray.